Hello and welcome back to the Sons of Thunder podcast. Today we're joined by Neil and Ben. They're a part of an up-and-coming podcast called Prayer and Push-Ups, focused on living a healthy life physically and spiritually. We're also joined by my son, Liam, so he has a couple points that he points out in the beginning. But today we talk about masculinity and the initiation process and and what does it mean to be a man and, and where do we find inspiration from. So we hope you guys enjoy the cast. Sons of Thunder is a podcast for young men by young men about living a life centered around faith, fellowship, and fitness. And welcome back to the Sons of Thunder. We have uh, John here, Jacob, and Liam. Liam's busy, but we are very, very blessed to have. On with us, two guests, Neil and Ben. Introduce yourselves, fellas. I am Neil. <laughs> Straight and to the point. Yep. That, that would make me Ben. Yes, indeed. So. Welcome, Jets. Sorry, I just let the wind go a little bit over here. We do that sometimes. You're excused. The mics pick it up, actually. Oh, yeah. What? <laughs> at, at least you're not a politician or, you know... <laughs> Did yes. you see yeah. that thing? Uh, yes. I, I have I have seen the the clips of it. I did not see it happen, but I've seen clips and it's it's quite amusing. Wait, what happened? So it was this Democratic representative. I think he was from like Can't Georgia his name. or Alabama yeah. from the South and he was on like CNBC or something in an interview and you can see his shoulders like <laughs> he rise up and he kind of like twitches a little bit and you can hear this audible like <laughs> And then he smirks, and of course he blames it on the coffee cup moving, but he's standing, yeah. so I don't know what. Oh my god. That's he hilarious. both parties for one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you cannot edit that out. Wow. That's so funny. I think it was a live interview, so that makes it really hard oh, to yeah. catch yeah. in editing. That's, oh my gosh. That's so funny. Are you picking up both of us, Shani? Yeah. Can you get us? Okay, yeah. good. Oh, sweet. Just make sure you're leaning over it, yeah. Leaning in? Jake's got a, Jake has a loud... Yeah, projection. You to turn off the, turn down the volumes. Yeah. Me. Well, for most of us who don't, uh, we should start doing videos. That's the next step. But a lot of times, Jacob and other people, I was struggling with this last time. One of these support barriers for the <laughs> podcast, it's it gets very flaccid and it just goes loose a lot, and it just falls over onto you. So you have to, you got to keep it up manually. Mm-hmm. Good heads up, thank you. Yes. <laughs> so far, Resisting so good. making all the jokes. <laughs> okay. It's isometric hold. That's what you have to do. Yes. Right? Yeah. Just grab and do an isometric hold. Just pausing. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, guys. Thanks for coming on. Um, thanks for having us. Of course, Ben has been walking with us ever since our first uh, real big speaking engagement over at Archdiocese and Youth Day. And first. I mean, we want to get to know you guys. We're going to blast you really quickly with some uh, lightning round questions. Bring it on. Yes. Okay, first question. Um, both of you guys can answer. Favorite vacation? Neil, go. Uh, I am a staycation type person. I don't like leaving Chaska. Um, <laughs> or the town that I am from that's not that place. And uh, mostly like staying there. Other than that, if I'm going to someplace probably like Wisconsin Dells. I have three kids. so Nice. Like, there's something for everyone there, and it's a lot okay. of fun, and yes, sure. the Dells. Likes to stay in the Midwest. Yeah. <laughs> Midwest, man. I, I think the fa- yes. place I would want to go, I guess, uh, it would be 
Italy. Really want to go Italy. So many different places that are yep. important to the church over oh, there yeah. that I would like to visit. If it's a place that I've been, then it would have to be uh, St. Augustine, Florida, which nice. is where my wife and I honeymooned. And nice. there, again, many things of the faith. Just so much history in our, our nation there, too. It's the oldest existing settlement in the United States. So wow. there's a lot of history there. The town has been torn down and rebuilt multiple times, and it's just a really cool place to visit. And the Shrine to Our Lady of La Leche is there, Our as nice. well as the Our first milk? mass yes. was Lady also said there. So, wow. Yeah. You know, yeah. She, you not she, is, the, no. she so, is the patron of uh, future mothers. Oh, for and, sure. And uh, so she, a lot of people will visit there if they're having trouble conceiving. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh wow, that's cool. Yeah, it's, which it's, like we do not. Too. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's because that's where we went on our honeymoon. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yep. Here, you're blessed. <laughs> Indeed, that's funny. Uh, have you? Well, quick interlude. Neil, have you been to Big Thrill Factory? That's uh, when you mentioned it's got a place for everybody. I just want to give a shout out to Big Thrill Factory. It's my first job. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Sean's first job. <laughs> Break into the first paid sponsor of the evening. <laughs> yeah. Big, Big cool. Thrill Factory. If they want to toss us a check, that's cool. But <laughs> it's like a Dave and Buster's for everyone. You know, they got okay. a laser tag. It's right on the corner of Highway 7 and 101 in Minnetonka. Yeah, yeah, okay. okay. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, no, because it's not in... The town in which I live. Are you listening? You have to venture more than five miles. <laughs> I, I have to have very good cause to leave. He's, and he's very bitter at me every time I make him come to my house to, to work on podcast stuff. So it's thanks for coming here. Yeah, I, I, it's awesome. It's a big I'm adventure. It's a big adventure uh, coming on downtown. So I'm I'm glad I was allowed to come here. Liam is very appreciative of this. Yes. Number two. Number two, what is your favorite movie? We'll start with Neil. I okay, two. So uh, the reflective one and like the man one. Uh, so it has to be for reflection and I think Shawshank Redemption, mm. which I know is like kind of basic in a certain way, but uh, it's a story of persistence and redemption and hope, and that's fantastic. And Gladiator. Because nice. Gladiator. <laughs> yeah. If you don't know, it's because you haven't seen the movie. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. <laughs> that was Father Schlag's favorite movie, too. Gladiator's definitely good, but I'm going to have to go with Taken. With Liam Neeson. Oh. Yeah. Was my favorite movie the first time I watched it, and I just haven't bothered to give a new another movie that slot now. Um, mm-hmm. But it was... I, I love it just because of the, the father-daughter relationship, and it shows the extents a father will go to to protect his little girl. Yeah. And it's full that's of awesome. Liam Neeson kicking people's at you know yeah. backside. So it's that's fun. Ooh, close. You can say it. Yeah, you can. <laughs> we don't, we don't want you to have the explicit tag, and we don't want to have that on ours as well. No. Yes, <laughs> we'll label you explicit. This isn't catching foxes. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Um, have you guys ever played Bop It? I know that's not the next one, but I'm. Yes. I think I, yeah, I think I got it like the first like Christmas or. Easter or something nice. like when it actually came out. Yeah. When, when would that have been? Curious. I don't know, but Google's a thing. And I'm, but I'm not going to do it right now. I don't know. I just remember really getting it. And I was like, oh, this is a thing. This is mildly amusing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I always got mad at the people that were just so good at it. Because it was just, yes, no, I sucked at it. So I'm not good at Bop It. <laughs> okay, yeah. So Bop It came out in 1996. Wow. Because yeah, Google's okay. a thing. It's our birth year. And uh, thank you for that. 
<laughs> if you haven't picked up yet, we are a bit older than these gentlemen. <laughs> so yes, I was actually a little old for their target market when Boppet came out, but yeah, I still played it. Nice. We ask only because on a very special trip up north, we've spent a good several hours perfecting our craft and then immediately lost the next day. I don't think we tried it ever again, but... Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's supposed to be a four-player game, I think. Yeah, you have to, like, pass it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. Cool. I, I, I don't know. I was, like, kind of an only child. Like, my little brother's six years younger than me, so when I had it, I just played it by myself, I guess. <laughs> I didn't know you could have friends in Bop It. It's traumatic. Yeah. <laughs> They've now come out with like a more extreme version of Bop oh, It. There's yeah. more things to I do. I can't handle that. Like you put That's also so, yeah, and VR Bop It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like in space. Yeah, in space. Hit the different planets. So quick inter... I mean, we're going to just jump in whenever, guys. This is how we roll. Great conversation. But I was just talking to a friend. Shout out Jim Hangy. And he said when he was in Buffalo, New York, they had this VR roller coaster that you could control wherever and they just have a like typical car with four seats in it and the car doesn't move but your headset it's so vivid and real and jacob and i were yeah. in vr and uh, uh st thomas got this thing and you can like explore different cities on google earth and i was mm-hmm. getting like nauseated because it's just, the depth perception yeah. really screws yeah. with you but jim was like he said at one point it sort of glitched and like it, it ran into this building, and he said he almost threw up. Because it was so oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that, I don't think humans are ready for virtual reality yet. No, I'm not I don't ready think for we'll see. No, I'm. Nope. I can barely handle real reality. Don't start throwing yeah. me off with some other some other variation. <laughs> yeah. like, like, like if I go on a roller coaster, like I have a headache for like a week or whatever. Yeah. It's like history of concussions kind of thing. Is mm. so like VR? Nope. Not even gonna try it. We're in the matrix. Yeah. Hit him up. Nope. <laughs> All right. Let's see here. Worse, the baby one. Where's that? Babies are cool. Oh, okay. We have babies. <laughs> so, <laughs> several. <laughs> the question is what's it like to raise another human being? Sean, you can answer too. Oh, it's fun. It's demanding, <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot of time. Yeah, I think just the constant attention. I think that was something that I didn't realize. You know, always, like Delexi's at the dentist right now, and mm-hmm. I have to watch the baby, you know? It's crazy mm-hmm. how just constant attention. And before, like, I mean, I didn't have a kid six months ago, so I'm very new into parenting. I think that's a huge transition for me, just yeah. the constant attention. I was just explaining to some younger people the other day that... uh you know, even when you get married, you're still, you still kind of have your own time and you have your yeah. own, you can do, but once, once you have kids, like being done with work is not being done with work anymore. I just change what I'm busy yeah. doing is all <laughs> I go from doing my job to keeping other p- human beings alive. Yeah. And when you have a little boy who's a toddler, so something to look forward to. Oh Sean, yeah, very much. Um, that is literally your entire job keep them alive yeah. <laughs> because I swear this kid is on a suicide mission. <laughs> he just, he has to explore absolutely everything and climb absolutely everything. And 
he just has no concept of danger. So, mm-hmm. you know, he, he'll do something, hurt himself, come to you crying. You'll console him. Five minutes later, he's back doing the exact same yeah. thing that he just hurt himself doing. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't quit. He doesn't let things deter him. He's just going to keep going. And you are literally, your whole job is just, I, I keep telling people, when he turns 18, he's giving me a present that he lived that long. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You yeah. lived a legal adulthood, kid. Yes, you made Cough it. Cough up the presents for dad. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. I got you this Sounds far. Uh, fatherhood's amazing. Uh, for me, it's um, extremely humbling because uh, you think you're a good person <laughs> until you have kids, and then, like, like when you're tired you've just worked you know long work week and you didn't get enough sleep because one of the other babies was awake in the night uh and then your son does you know the same thing he's done for the hundredth time that you've told him not to do like fighting over a blanket with his sister and they're playing tug of war and he just won't leave her alone because he enjoys torturing her (laughs) and you're trying to be loving and patient and kind in your discipline of your child and not just throwing him out the window um (laughs) or whatever other thing or whatever uh it can be extremely humbling to realize that like i'm not as virtuous as i thought but it's actually extremely rewarding to see that um like I, my kid was at my uh, youth group last night, uh, and it, it was really cool. He's four, and he was you know, kind of leading in posture the prayer for when we were had our prayer time during youth group or whatever. So like we have some kids that are like new and they're not really like involved in faith and stuff like that. And he's kind of like showing them like this is how you do the sign of the cross and this holding his hands in. That's so like yeah. That. Oh yeah, it's hardcore. <laughs> do it. Yeah. There's a I was gonna say okay. you notice. Uh, that you're not as good a person as you think you are when your child starts mimicking things that you do. (laughs) Yeah. But then there's also things that they start to mimic that you just, it just makes you love them that much more, which you didn't realize was actually possible. But, um, the other day I had my son at daily mass and he, he sang amen while we were going through the liturgy of the, the Eucharist (laughs) with everybody else. He actually jumped the gun a little bit, but, um, (laughs) it was just like, He's getting it. Yeah, you're like, wow. He's paying attention. Yeah. And he genuflexed now when we go in when we go into church, he's two and a half. Not even That's two and so a half. Awesome. And he's genuflexed. And so yeah. of course it's all it's a very I, I'm very proud of him. That he's doing it, but I also notice all the other people that are just like in awe. And I'm like, yeah, that's right, that's my kid, <laughs> that's my boy. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, no, it's awesome. I just saw an Onion article today that was. Uh, like man weeps down bitterly in front of his son instead of yelling at him for all the terrible things he's done. So <laughs> you're not alone. I just, you can't show weakness though. Exactly. You can't no. show weakness. Not in front of him. No weakness. I not in front of him. To my friend Nick, and he's like, "Sad. What an impressionable <laughs> youth seeing your father in a weak state." <laughs> well, okay. I'm just saying, at least if you're needing to discipline them, they can't see the crack because like. It's like negotiating with a terrorist yes. and you need to be extremely firm and like, especially if they can make you laugh. Right. That's yeah. the thing. That's the worst they thing. Know oh, they yeah. can get you. Like when you said that word is pretty funny, but you're not supposed <laughs> yeah, to say exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> My nephew yeah. said, take a leak the other day. <laughs> <laughs> 
his, his dad was livid. And guess what? <laughs> Apparently, they found out that I was the one he learned it from. Oh. <laughs> I, that's why it's so funny to me. That's so funny. They pick up on oh, these hey, things. Oh, you, hey, you got it. Sometimes you got to take a leave. Yeah. There's always that leave? one uncle. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't think it helped that it was off the deck into the bushes, but <laughs> that's so my first words in well, this my, weather. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> my first sentence, well, you can draw with me, you know? <laughs> yeah, on the snow. <laughs> my first, I'm just, uh, I'm just, you got to put yourself in the kid's shoes. Sometimes. <laughs> my first sentence, um. My first sentence was, give me the toast, damn it. Damn. <laughs> and my parents were like, whoa, <laughs> like, where did that come from? Yes. And the real question is, did they bring you your yeah. darn toast? I don't know. <laughs> that's all, that's the did only part work? of the story. Yeah, it didn't work. No, it probably didn't. <laughs> all right, guys, I think we're want to wrap up uh, the lightning round here with quickly, very quickly. Who would be the actor slash actress who would play you? Oh, jeez. Actress? Actress. Actress. Ronda Rousey. Trying to be PC here? Yeah. PC. Neil, have you seen Game of Thrones? Uh, yes. You look like Tormund a little bit. This big, red-bearded man, very staunch. I forget what his actual name his his name is, but I was thinking him. Or uh, for me, it was. Uh, oh, I did. Why didn't we look up his name? Uh, the guy who plays Daredevil in like the Netflix Daredevil. He also played uh, Saint Jose Maria Escriva in oh, There cool. Be Dragons, which is like a fantastic like Hollywood level movie about a saint. Yeah. So nice. yeah, cool. um, I think him because uh, he could he could put on a little muscle and fill out <laughs> or whatever to actually there. But he has like the gravitas and understanding of the faith. Because he's played like two fantastic Catholic characters. That's cool. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. Some unfortunate soul. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of actors that could could actually effectively portray all of this. Um, <laughs> I have Liam one for you. Can I, can I send one for you? Oh, okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Marky Mark. You know Mark what? Wahlberg. I could do worse than Mark Wahlberg portraying me. I'll take it. So I'll take just, it. I, I like that. I have a list of like backups just in case or whatever. I was thinking like, like uh, if it's me at one of my heavier stages, like Kevin James, <laughs> uh, which I just found out recently. There's a thing on Scott Hahn was like hanging out with Kevin James and Father Ripperger, uh, and Kevin James was serving at a low mass with Father Ripperger. No what? Yeah, and so oh. I was just like. I had no idea that awesome. King of Queens was or not. Yeah, is yeah, that a King show? Like, King of Queens or whatever yeah. was. Was a traditional Catholic Mall cop so. yeah, I, yeah I literally just watched Mall cop <laughs> Delexi was gone And I just like Passed it on Netflix I was like I have to watch this, this Yeah It's okay. so funny Is it worth saying I've actually never seen Oh my You have to see it Okay It's so good Well, But it's like It's just another stupid movie Okay you know? It is It's like Step Brothers or, But it's not as a bad A little cleaner It's, not, it's way yeah, more it's, clean It's okay. clean Yeah Really clean But <clears throat> just stupid Type of funny Kevin James is like a really, really big into MMA now. <clears throat> like he's when he did oh, yeah. Here Comes the yeah. Boom, like he could they they made him have stunt guys, but he was doing everything. You know, in the end of you guys I haven't seen actually Here seen Comes, it. No. Oh, so he he's this school teacher and the school was like going down. And so he joins like um, kickboxing 
to raise money. And if he wins this one fight, he wins like $6,000 and he's trying to impress this woman. And so the... So it's like a Nacho Libre knockoff. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> I was yeah, going to say, it's kind of like a comedy knockoff of Warrior, but... Yeah, but it's... And it, in the end, he, like, picks up this guy, but he got super buff, like, through the movie. Like, he was ripped. Oh, yeah. And, like, there's, like, not stories, but, like, he, he legit picked up this guy. Like, just... This buff Kevin guy. James. I don't even know what to make of that. Yeah, <laughs> dangerous. Okay, Buff Kevin James. I can't. Buff, buff Kevin, Kevin James. James. That's, that's, that's who it is. <laughs> that's what I'm going with. That's who's gonna. That's who's gonna portray Neil as yes. Buff Kevin James. Exactly. <laughs> so you guys have a podcast called Catching Foxes. Do you want to talk about it? <laughs> oh, it's not Catching oh, Foxes. No. <laughs> you don't have a podcast. <laughs> what? No. Sorry, they're do you know, sorry. Do you actually know? They're like big dogs. Yeah, they're like you don't know the catching foxes no, guys. Okay, so like, oh wow, I was yeah, making fun of them earlier because they're like they're, they're one of the top Catholic podcasts. Like, mm-hmm. like they guys. they have some language issues. I, though. Yeah, yeah that's, you that's what you're referring totally to. Totally could have run with it, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're the guys on catching like, foxes. I've been trying to get one of them to come out and do like a, a mission at my parish or whatever. So like, I, I really don't want to start a feud or a fight with one of these guys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they listen to us. Do you have a podcast? Yeah. We, we, are, okay. we are launching yeah, a podcast. Oh, we're launching, 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 launching a podcast. Launching a podcast in uh, January. Yeah. Um, so, okay. you know, for all those making your New Year's resolutions, uh, we will be ready for you on January 6th. We're launching. It's uh, called Prayer and Push-Ups. Cool. And yeah. it's uh, focused on living a healthy life physically and spiritually. And that we are, a, as a human being, we are a composite of body and soul. That's how God created us. And so that we need... Because of that, we need to care for both. So how are we going to go about doing that? Yeah. I like that. Yeah, we uh, very big on, uh, we kind of want to <clears throat> look at it two ways. Uh, we want to motivate the faithful, and we want to evangelize the motivated. Um, yeah. So you, you see, like, all the Instagram stuff and how many different YouTube channels about fitness, and you see all these guys, and um, and it's good information, and they're motivating people to get out there and get after it. But... Um, what is the role of faith in that and how can we integrate and reach out to these people? But at the same time, also, we love to speak to those who work for the church, our faithful members, uh, to actually take better care of their bodies. I mean, how many priests have I known in my life that are smokers or, um, really overweight or really, yeah, or just morbidly obese and, um, go to most of the chanceries and parish offices in the United States and like they're not healthy. At least when you, uh, when you see the the stress and the way they respond to that stress, they're not living in a healthy way. So if um, God has given us this gift of our bodies, we need to take care of it. Yeah. Um, and so that's why we want to have conversations and give information to help people with their transformation. Um, and then also focus on uh, making sure that they're not neglecting the spiritual life as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And how that all plays together, nature, nurture, grace, That's awesome. all that stuff. Yeah, because I think there's definitely two different like you know spheres that you guys are talking to, and each one needs the other. Mm-hmm. You know, the spiritual, you know, the the amount of obesity that's just you know prevalent within our culture, and even just the U.S. is just crazy, and so just you know needing to especially you know especially in religion because there is like a weird stigma about you know being overly prideful and mm-hmm. building up your body and you know we we all know that our our bodies are temples and that's kind of what I use to motivate me to work out is you know I want to be the best version of myself but most people are like 
you know, you shouldn't be working on that. You should be working on what, what's the in, what's in the inside and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, bringing working out, bringing fitness and bringing discipline within fitness is, um, is really good to the spiritual life because it's, they're so equal, mm-hmm. you know, when, when I'm feeling crappy and I, I know I didn't pray that day, like I, I know, I notice a difference, you mm-hmm. know, and then when I'm feeling crappy and I didn't work out, I notice a difference, you know, so there's definitely very, there's a lot of effects that working out and, you know, a healthy spiritual life. Have there's a lot of similarities between the two. Like you said, if, if you, if you're doing it and you recognize the benefits of it and then you don't do it one day and you recognize that there's a negative to it and both of them will do that. If you, if, oh, yeah. like you said, if you miss morning prayer one day or something, uh, if you miss your morning workout, you, you notice throughout the day, you're just not the same. Maybe it's the fact that the soreness isn't there. I don't know, yeah. but you don't even just the sense of accomplishment may not be, be there. Cause you spend an hour lifting in the gym or you go for a run or something. It's, it's a very quick way to get a good sense of accomplishment and your that you've done mm-hmm. something totally. to start off your day. Um, it wakes you up, it gets you moving. It helps you not necessarily need that first cup of coffee in the morning right away. You can yeah. maybe put it off until, you know, closer to lunch or a half an hour after your workout or however you happen to need caffeine. But, um, <laughs> I think he's hiding the fact that I'm a caffeine addict and I drink a pot of coffee a day. Um, it's not bad. No, yeah, I just got to make sure I get my water in. That's it. Um, yeah. Anyways. No, I'm, for me, uh, like, uh, if you have one virtue, you have all of them. If you lack one, you lack all of them. I like that. And St. Thomas Aquinas. So, um, <laughs> we'd I'm love to take credit. Anyway. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Smarter people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you could have taken credit for that. You could have taken it for catching foxes. Like we're really trying to hype you guys up. Yeah. Here. We're trying to give you, okay. I, I work, I've worked in youth ministry now for like 10 years. And the first rule of youth ministry is beg, borrow and steal. The least it I can is, do is at true. least give credit to the people I steal yeah. from. Yes. Um, at least we cite our sources. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> one of, one of my old, uh, NCOs, when I was in the army, uh, said, if you copy off of one person, it's plagiarism. If you copy off a bunch of people, it's research. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. He's not. Yeah. But I, I, so what I was trying to get at with the point is, uh, um, if you see someone who, um, is trying to pursue excellence in, uh, the spiritual life and they struggle with gluttony or just like overindulgence, uh, in food, like you, that it, it's a really easy physical way to see a disorder manifested that exists like in themselves and that God needs to avail to them and heal of them. Um, and that needs, so it needs to be all of these things to focus on that. Um, but at the same time, there can be like that over obsession with like your body and overindulging that, that like also reveals, uh, a lack of spiritual dimension to self where if you're only caring about the physical and wanting those washboard six pack abs or whatever it actually is, um, that you're doing. Um, so there's like so much that actually goes into it. And so with the idea of this podcast is we want to, uh, kind of systematically tackle these topics and, uh, bring on other people, um, who are interested in health and fitness as well and living in authentic Catholic faith, um, and a bunch of other stuff. So, yeah. I love that. I mean, it seems as though without really acknowledging it or knowing it, we we can identify that there's this problem in our church and our culture, at least, that the, 
discipline's lacking. And you guys are established in your lives. You have wife and children, uh, jobs. We have tried to cater towards a younger generation with a similar uh, articulating these problems and trying to find solutions for different younger guys. But how do you anticipate, uh, can you like speak a bit more about the vision of how you want to implement this in your parishes and your jobs? Or like, um, obviously it's a, it's, it's not a zero sum game where like we're all trying to increase virtue in ourselves and in others. So is there a specific vision you guys have in the podcast for bringing this to your jobs and specifically growing it as like an organization? I think the first step is just living it. And that's, mm-hmm. that's the first way to bring it to others is to, to demonstrate the, the life, which is always the challenge, right? Because it's really easy to talk about it. And then life happens. And this last week, for instance, I had intentions. I haven't been in the gym in a little over a month due to a knee injury. And I had intentions of starting last week. Did not happen. Um, as I have, I have two kids, uh, two and under, and on any given morning, one of them was not cooperating when it came to dad trying to get up and go work out. Um, this morning, neither of them were cooperating when it came to dad trying to get up and work out. Uh, but I managed to get into the gym later in the day, but that doesn't always work either. Yeah. So sometimes your day fills up and there's just not there's not time. So you have to do the best that you can with what you have to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> set forth your best plan. And, uh, but that's where the discipline to, you know, and what, what you put into your body comes into play. If you're, even if you can't get into the gym, even if you can't get, get exercise in during that day, did you at least make sure that what you ate was not going to mm-hmm. be to your detriment? Um, and the same is true, the, the spiritual side. And that's, uh, another reason that, getting into the gym was sometimes not working out as I was emphasizing the spiritual side. So if I had to give up one or the other, I gave up the gym. Right. Um, but that's not to say that, you know, there's even programs out there like uh, cross training. If you've ever heard of cross training, it's a program here in the twin cities that um, the whole point is to incorporate prayer into your workout, mm-hmm. uh, which is another thing that you can do. Well, so, um, They've, I, I've seen them do a few group workouts, and uh, the one thing that always stands out to me is they, they were doing lunges, but before they would start their uh, set of lunges, they were told to pick someone that they wanted to offer up the, the suffering to for, and then they put a log on their back, or a two-by-four on their back, and they started doing lunges as though they were, like, carrying the cross beam of the cross and it was just the the visual and the the, you know just the putting yourself in that position i i just i thought it was really cool so that's another way to kind of incorporate actually literally do the two together Mm -hmm. um is another yeah great way to to pull that off yeah probably doing an extra couple reps too and you're doing it for so long yeah i i used to like to um do prayer runs as well some of the best time i i spent with god was out running on a run trail when there was almost nobody else around and you're just surrounded by trees and nature and the endorphins going yeah the endorphins pumping through you're on that runner's high and you're Mm -hmm. just having a great conversation with god so it it, it can be very beneficial and again it's covering both both body and soul so so. when you go on those runs do you listen to music then or like especially when you converse with god or is it no i i stopped listening to music when i ran a while back um because I wanted to start trying to make them more, well, it, it kind of started, um, not by choice, I guess. I, yeah. 
I was going through a really rough time in life and my drug of choice became running. So when I was feeling really stressed, I'd just go run, put a couple of miles on my shoes and I'd work things out with God while I was, yeah. you know, while I was running. And I, uh, that kind of started my no music while running phase, um, which came in handy because when I go out and do, uh, I've done a few trail runs and some, uh, uh, why can't I think the like the tough mutter or the rugged maniac, mm-hmm. um, the mud runs and can't really take headphones when you're doing those. So <laughs> sure. it comes in very yeah. handy being used to not running with <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> those aren't as prayerful though. I'll be honest. Yeah. Less mm-hmm. prayer happens during the mud runs. Mm-hmm. I, I guess back to the original question on how we integrated into like the parish and, and what's the vision for the whole project. Uh, outside of just doing a good podcast, I think that's like first and foremost. And then, um, inspiring others, journeying with others through, you know, social media. If we do get together events, like, like there's a thousand different ideas, but we got to do the first step first. Yep. So, uh, um, we just got to get that done and how it's integrated in the parish ministry. I mean, with youth ministry, like the biggest, like thing the, that everyone has a frustration and love, hate relationship with it is like youth sports. And, uh, that when you can, authentically live that yourself in health and fitness and speak to that. Um, it lends you a degree of credibility when speaking to young people, uh, especially, uh, I find when I do my men's talks, I like doing a talk, um, where I deadlift while I do it. Um, <laughs> and so when he you, says deadlift, he's not talking, you know, a couple hundred pounds that he's deadlifting. I, well, yeah, anyways, I don't, <laughs> Don't make me brag. Yeah. Um, How much I, do you I, I refer to him as Neil the Giant Ginger. So okay. I see those traps. Look, you can't can just tell us like how much what the record is and we'll pretend it's you just to add to the credit. <laughs> yeah. the actual, the, like everyone knows who the record is. Like for, for deadlift, anyways. Sorry, it's Eddie. I, Eddie Hall has a record. Sorry, I know it. I any like sorry. I'm humble about it because I know relative to. <laughs> My training age and body weight, it should be much higher than what it what my deadlift actually is. And I know that I'm average compared to what I would consider peers in the powerlifting world. That said, my heaviest deadlift is 550 pounds. Oh, wow. Um, wow. <laughs> which everyone's like, ooh, yeah. Okay. Wow. Which, wow, yeah. Uh, um, don't ruin so my that's, arms that's my, But when I, I don't lift that when I give the talk or whatever because I need to be able to, like, talk. Yeah, and carry on a conversation because you just hold it and just like talk to him the whole time. I use, so I, what I will do is so I'll put I'll start with like one thirty five on the bar, right? And I'll do uh, like five reps, and then keep going with the talk that I'm giving. And then I have a team of like high school helpers that'll add the weight while I'm giving the talk. So they'll go on and throw two twenty five on. Who set a two twenty five on? Then they'll go on and put three fifteen on. Uh, and do that. And then like, maybe I'll go up to like four Oh five because I want to do it for reps at the end. And, um, so I put on like four Oh five, uh, towards the end. Um, and it's all about focusing on virtue building over time that you have to, if you want to get to, if you want to get to 400, you got to start off wherever that is. Your start is whether that's just a bar, whether that's one thirty five, and the same thing. If like, how many of these young men? What is your goal in life? And most of them will say like, they, like what was the vocation they desire? Most of them will say marriage, right? So, so what are the things that's going to take to be a good husband? Hmm. And um, talk about things like chastity eyes. Talk about things like 
um, your self-discipline, being able to uh, have that degree of self-control, all these other things that go into uh, being a good, loving husband and a spiritual leader for your home. And it's like, well, if that's what you want to do 10, 15, 20 years from now, however long I will the audiences are like, you got to start today yeah. mm-hmm. working on those things. Uh, because that's the years of training put in why I can do this now. And then, um, the end is 10 reps with, uh, I can do all things in God and God who strengthens me. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's four thirteen. Yes. Um, so that's like how I try to, I guess, integrate it into ministry as well. And it also just gives me something to like relate and talk with, with young people. And I've done, uh, some one-on-one sessions with some of the young men at the uh, local community center, teaching them how to lift and, uh, like having conversations about faith because that's what, how you get men to open up is you do something together. And mm-hmm. so, especially with these high school boys who like lack any emotional self-awareness whatsoever, um, there's a degree of vulnerability that happens when you actually do something together. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, that's the answer I was looking for is like, it's something we talked about at our last uh, speaking engagement to middle schoolers. It's like, well, nobody really loves sitting in a circle in small groups and just expressing yourself. It doesn't come across as something we necessarily want to primarily or instinctually jump to as men. Mm-hmm. It's hard to cultivate that masculine community, that spiritual brotherhood, while still having discipline. So I appreciate how you guys are integrating. I, I've never consider doing deadlifts for a talk <laughs> 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 and I do, like one hand on the mic one hand on the deadlifts yeah. uh, just switch up every, the, every set the, which arm you use mic thing whatever that thing is right? that's preacher. nice yeah. the preacher mic preacher yeah. mic or you just talk really really loud yeah. just yelling yeah. the whole time yeah just do that that's so awesome the uh, thing of Hafthor Bjornsson the guy from Game of Thrones who uh I forget what the actual record is, but there was this guy in like 1000 AD, this Icelandic Viking, yeah. who apparently like carried the mast of his ship, which was mm-hmm. like 1500 pounds, and then Thor did it as well. Yeah, <laughs> he has a he has a record, I believe, currently for carrying the mast. Yeah. I forget the name of it actually. But it's just like a couple inches. He just like goes up. Yeah, but still, it's 1500 pounds. That's oh my god. <laughs> And then I forget this other... It's all Icelandic, guys. Like, it's in your blood. I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> but he was this old... Like, I want to say old, like, 90s or 2000s, and he deadlifts, and then he shouts, like, if you cannot deadlift, what is the point to life? <laughs> and I think he actually died deadlifting. What's well, it? then he went out and did what he loved. Yeah. That is the point of life right that there. Is, right That's there. his peak. He peaked. He's like, oh, I PR'd. No need. <laughs> this is as good as it's ever going to get. I mean, my, my big thing is it's got to be strength for a purpose. Like, yeah. being strong just for the sake of being strong is, is a vanity. But what are you strong for? And uh, I love that. That's a really... Yeah. So, so as a father, it's like, okay, like, I would need to be able to ball up my kids when they're old enough in high school. Because right, you know, I'm 32 and my eldest is four. And if I'm going to dunk on him <laughs> a couple of years from now, like, I need to stay fit and in shape and like not let him beat me or dominate him. So I can actually, like, run around kids. Because how many, how many dads are sitting, like, you know, they're taking the kids to the pool. They're sitting around the outside drinking beer. Yeah. And talking with the other dads, you know, just adding to their beer belly and not actually engaging with their sons, throwing them around, like mm-hmm. and wrestling with them, actually, like, 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 especially my like son needs wrestle time. Mm-hmm. Like it is yeah. in boys DNA 
to be thrown around and wrestled in manhandle and like and fight and learn how to do it in a responsible way, learn how to say no. Hmm. Uh, um, and yeah, no one teaches them to do that. They just start trying to tackle you. Mm. Yeah. yeah, no, there's just, it's, just it, out of nowhere. One day, boom. It's no, it's in there. It's, I'm gonna it's, take it's, you down. Like we don't like we don't have like violent programming or like or anything with a with a gun actually like on TV and uh, as a part of any of their like they something they've ever been exposed to or watched or whatever. But like, what's the first thing he did when he picked up a stick? He turns it into a sword and turns mm, it into yeah. a gun. It's just like they know, they mm-hmm. know. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you don't bridle that. Like if you don't write all that and teach them the right responsibility and right use yep. of their physical gifts, um, you're not being a father. Mm-hmm. Like you're not actually disciplining. Like the Lord disciplines those who He loves, and if you're not doing that for your son, you're not living out your fatherhood. Um, so yeah, you can yeah. totally see that with Jordan Peterson <clears throat> of how like this next generation of guys our age, or even up to millennials or boomers who have never had that father figure speaking to life and specifically like tell them no. Or tell them to do something with responsibility. His big thing is make your darn bed. Yeah. And it's like, well, we crave that sort of challenge, that sort mm-hmm. of uh, obstacle that you need to surmount as a man. That I was reading this book about uh, masculine energies. It wasn't particularly Christian. It was about like union psychology. Okay. But it was pretty cool. It's yeah. like, well, we as a culture do not have a rite of passage anymore. Sure. And that's like in the olden days, you'd go kill a wolf or you'd like, I mean, gangs sort of have this rite of passage, but it's a false masculinity because it's, yeah. Yeah. it's hitting you to that excess. That's actually why where this all started. Really? Um, was wow. uh, I was in Afghanistan and uh, was doing a a study of the book Wild at Heart with a bunch of the other guys that were over there. Cool. And um, we got to a point one day where it it said, every man has the question, do I have what it takes? And we were literally sitting in a war zone. You know, half of us had been outside the wire that day. Uh, I think every single guy there came home with some sort of a combat badge or ribbon or something. So, you know, we... We'd been through it, and we were we were kind of laughing at this this idea. Okay, I think we've been here, but it, it started occurring to me that you know how many friends do I have at home that are never going to have that question answered? And then after yeah. I got home, you go a while, the question's not gone, the question's still there. Yeah, just because you did it once, well, that was ten years ago. Mm. Do I still have what it takes? Can I still hold my own? Um. And uh, then that was expounded by an old roommate of mine that approached me and asked me if I would teach him how to fight. Just very randomly. This guy's not a not someone who's, you know, he's not violent. He's not. I hadn't talked to him in months and I just get this random message from, well, will you teach me how to fight? And I thought, holy cow, what did he get himself into? And so I reached out to him and said, well, what do you want to know this for? And he said, I don't think my wife believes I can protect her. This guy had never had any interest in violence in all the years I'd known him. And all of a sudden he thinks his wife doesn't believe he can protect her. And he got it. He wants to turn himself into some sort of a prize fighter. And I thought this is a real issue. And so I started looking into that and I, I ran a pilot program with a bunch of guys that I knew and that went well. And then, um, kind of life moved on and I, it was still in the back of my head, but then I, I put together one for high school guys and I ran a pilot of that and that went really well. I thought, how do I make this thing more 
it's permanent. How do I get this thing out more places? Mm-hmm. And I thought, all right, we'll start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Catchy podcast. Yeah. Jeez. Um, and this is how we get this is how we get word out. So the, yeah. that that's kind of where this whole thing came from, and it, it's morphed a little bit from what it originally was conceived as, but. Uh, that's why this podcast came to be, and that's still something that that I'm hoping to bring to fruition down the road as a, a nonprofit that will uh, whether whether it's having our own location that people can send their sons to for a couple of weeks over the summer, or if it's taking a program into parishes and running it at parishes, or both. I don't know, but this is mm-hmm. that's that's the ultimate goal is yeah. to to start a coming of age program for young men. Um, so the one that we did, it was two weeks long. I had six high school boys voluntarily take part in this trial run. They showed up every morning, Monday through Friday in July at 6 a.m. Yes. Cool. So they spent their sum- two weeks of the middle of their summer getting their se- themselves up between 5 and 5.30 so they could be there ready to roll at 6 a.m. And we did an hour of physical training, an hour of spiritual training, and then their day was they got to you know, go off, go to work, whatever else they had to do. Um, and then the last day was a Saturday and they did a seven mile run, um, after two weeks of training. And now granted, these guys are young. They recover so much faster than I do. (laughs) But, um, I mean, these guys, none of them were, were slow times. They were all very respectable in the times that they came in. I think every single one of them was 10 minute mile or better at seven miles for seven. some, and some of these guys had never been runners prior to this. Um, and then after that, we, we did a little setup, and all their dads came, and some other men from the parish came, and we had an initiation, and they were all initiated into manhood. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. That's, yeah, um, that's so cool. <laughs> it was it was a lot of fun to see the looks on these guys' faces, as because their dads are the ones who initiated each of them. Yeah, and the other men are just there, kind of as representatives of other men that they respected yeah. saying yes we agree this is where you've come now mm. that so, must boost the confidence so much too oh my gosh the that, looks on these kids faces there too you know that I, I feel like a lot of guys they wonder that their whole life as we were talking about like did i am i a man am i not but to have that that vivid moment of yes you're initiated you went through this uh, it, it gets rid of that doubt yeah. Yeah. So uh, when someone asks them one day, when did you become a man? They will be able to say a time and date. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's huge. That's why there's trophies, awards, uh-huh. right. medals. There's there's recognition and there's things to strive for because you need that. You need yeah. that symbol. And, yeah. it, and it has to be earned. It, yeah. And that's it the has thing. has to be because it like you know, confidence comes from competence. Mm. So if you've not actually been tested in fire, whatever that looks like. Um, and proving yourself like it isn't a participation award. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that. That's the biggest part is you actually have to finish and earn it through whatever means necessary. Yeah. yeah so yeah. what do you what do you guys think has gone wrong? Like why why have we gone from you know in the late fifties? You know, I don't even know when World War Two was. You know, when the when early forties, early forties, forty I'd, to forty five. Yes. <laughs> and. Uh, like we go from World War Two, you know, all these men going off to war, the women stay back, these great, not great divides in the gender, but like these, you know, gender roles and the men, the men need these things in order to become men. Like, what do you guys think happened to the initiation where men aren't learning what they, what they, if they have what it takes? Well, at one point the initiation was 
kind of just a part of life. I mean, you, yeah. you know, er, no, it even, was. even before that you had so much hard work that you had to do and so many things that you had to, that life wasn't simple. You didn't get totally, you didn't sit at a computer and punch a keyboard all day. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's really what kind of started the process of changing. It would have been the, um, no, I had it a minute ago here and now I'm forgetting what I, the industrial revolution. Yeah. Um, we, we started to convert from being farmers to, and to, you know, uh, office jobs more. Definitely. Child labor laws are old and outdated. <laughs> <laughs> to quote Zoolander, I, it, okay, here's the thing. Oh, I'm so angry about this. Neil, so Neil was over here chomping at the bit the whole time I was talking. I'm just like, so dancing, I'm ready to go. Out. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. So, I mean, no, okay, so you have, uh, like, apprenticeship. The, the, the yeah. biggest thing is apprenticeship. Mm -hmm. Like, fathers don't apprentice their, their sons. They don't apprentice their children. And they're not able to because in the modern society, you can't take your kids to, to a uh, cubicle and have them sit next to you for eight hours typing on a computer as you do a TPS report and you have <laughs> to do cover daddy. sheets. <laughs> the ninja report. Yeah, no, it is. And in, in, in the thing is, I understand that it's the modern culture and it's like that's the modern reality and we can't do everything to try to change it but like why are all these movements to like get back to like woodworking classes and pottery classes and like adult mechanics classes and all these other things like that because these things that you were not taught as a child to like regain these confidences so you have uh, confidence through competence through having knowing how to actually swing a hammer and do all these different things yeah um so children were not allowed to work. They weren't allowed to take responsibility. And adolescence is a made up thing. Adolescence doesn't exist outside like before 19, like 15 or 20 or whatever, when they yeah. actually invented the thing and you invented this term for whatever. And now we have perpetual adolescence where mm -hmm. they never actually grow up. Yep. They're still living in mom's basement, which economically I understand makes sense. <laughs> Because I wish I was little. <laughs> I well, here's the thing. I understand because of market reasons, you're saving up money and like all this stuff like that. Like economically, it makes sense. Yeah. But it's those who are are um not, are there because they do not have the freedom to choose. Like yeah. uh, probably someone such as yourself or whatever. Like if push came to shove, you would be able to provide for yourself. You'd get a job, find a place to live. Yeah. It wouldn't be the best. It wouldn't be optimal, but you could do it. There, you know. So my, my thing is, is, is we don't, we have low or no expectations. You're not actually an adult until you're 18 and they don't actually get to make all their own decisions. But if you're not actually unveiling them to adulthood, to decision-making process, to what it is to be a responsible adult and treating them as such early and expecting more from them, yeah. like you get what your expectations are. Like I'm also a middle school religion teacher and they, you know, I got so much pushback when I threw out the religion textbook and I just use a catechism and a Bible and I give <laughs> homework every class that I have because I expect them to actually go home and read 10 paragraphs from the catechism every class to come back and actually have these high expectations that it's not just like a write off easy a class that is something they have to work for and earn because if we actually want like catechesis to happen, we actually have to push them and drive them and expect more from them. Um, so there's just so much of that of just like yeah. uh, needing actual expectation and yeah. and plus there's also the issue of feminism uh -huh. which theorizes yeah okay I don't know how much you've actually talked about this in your previous podcast I haven't listened to your whole back catalog Give us the woke take man uh, we're all for it we are all I, for okay it. I won't say okay so feminism as defined I would say feminism like not as uh, as defined as 
uh, women above men in all of its kind of in all of its connotations uh, is evil and abhorrent. But like feminism that came about for like equal like equal fair treatment and other things like that. There's good things that came out of the the some of the feminist movement. But what it has like forced in marriages is men are timid. They don't actually lead their spouse. They don't actually act as the principal leader of their home. They don't lead them like materially and spiritually because, uh, um, you know, even their wives may make more than them, but it doesn't mean necessarily that they don't need to be giving the direction in their family and having the final say and challenging them, um, to grow and doing it out of love as Christ did always out of love and not, um, asking for their wife to, to come along and, and submit like that is, that is scriptural to have some sort of degree of submission. And, um, it's done lovingly. It's done in complete like understanding and out of charity. And you do so many kinds of acts of service for your spouse. But like, for example, in my marriage, like one of the things I realized is even though my wife like went to Catholic school all her life, went to Steubenville. So like went to a good Catholic college, um, had never actually sat down and read some of the books of the Bible and like straight through actually understand like the narrative of scripture from Genesis to, to revelation. And so I'm starting her, like starting her down that path and exercising religion and like trying to give her goals and reading assignments and stuff like that. And then we talk about <laughs> it and I instruct her and all these things like that. Like we already, she already picks up all the stuff that I talk about anyways. Cause I talk like crazy, but, um, but actually for her being able to unveil herself of sacred scripture, like that's, it's stuff like that. If you're not actually experiencing that type of leadership, so like what went wrong? A thousand things. Yeah. That's a good start. It's, I think there's a lot. So how do you, like, what age do you, do you guys describe adolescence and, and where is a good, you know, um, initiation into manhood? Like what, what age do you guys see? Cause I mean, you have so many, like, let's say a 10 year old or a 12 year old goes through a traumatic experience where something happens to their family and they have to step up. That's a great, mm-hmm. you know, call to action. But then you have mm-hmm. some guys that are you know, is it when you get your license? Is that, is it 16 or like what, what's like an age range? Because it's, it's so interesting looking at the culture, looking at what's happening in our high schools, looking up at what's happening in like in middle schools. And it, it just seems like there's a huge attack on adolescence and on like just prevention from figuring out what, if that you have what it takes, you know? I think, uh, a lot of it is the culture and the way that we, we bring kids up. So I guess the question is, is are you asking when is a good age? When, when are young men actually able to, to do this or is it, you know, physically and, uh, or is it when does our culture actually develop them to the point that they're able to do this? Because I think yeah. two different answers. I mean, traditionally it's always been, pre-early teens that's yeah. when all these puberty. coming of age things were puberty. yeah right around puberty where that's true i like um, that i mean if you can without, have with our a culture kid, though if you can biologically have a kid you need to be responsible with that gift that god has yeah. given you that's cool that's that's a really good with point. our culture though we have we have so Getting many <laughs> so many boys that just are not prepared to step up and take on that. You could, you can challenge them to it and they'll either fail or they will fall. They will just fall off the bandwagon as soon as they're done. Yeah. And so, I mean, this is something that, that has to be really dealt with deeper, but it, I mean, it's, 
these dads that have got to be preparing them for this from day one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, my, yeah. my son is two. Day one. And he's already, I'm already kind of trying to expect some of these things from him. Mm-hmm. And, totally. Um, you know, I, when I have him standing there with his sister, I tell him, hey, protect your little sister. I'll be right back. Mm-hmm. And he will stand there and watch. And he will have barely moved, and I'll be gone for three, four minutes. And if you know anything about a two-year-old boy, him not moving for three or four minutes is like a miracle. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Yeah. so or I'll, I'll. But he gets it even at that age, right? If or you, even if you instill that instruction, I've even I've even done this where I'll I'll tell him to you know I'll be sending him to the house from the car, and I want him to go with his mom so I can go get the car seat with his his baby sister in it, and. Um, I'll tell him, hey, go with your mom. And he'll just kind of look at me. I'll say, you got to go take care of your mom. Make sure she gets to the house safe. And he'll just walk off. Mm-hmm. He's two. Yeah. Yeah. But it's there. Yeah. But they, they also love it, though. They do. They love the call. They love it. Yeah. gives them a sense of purpose. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we that's what we're losing everywhere in our culture is yeah. we have zero sense of purpose. And you notice how you worded it, too. If you go, oh, go with mom, you know, mm-hmm. and then it's like, why? But if you're like, hey, she needs you. Yeah. She needs your service. It's like, yeah. And he beelines it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's it, like, where does it start? Day one. Uh, and it's, when does the actual rite of passage need to happen? I would say like, to answer that kind of question, like post puberty, 14, 15, something like that. Um, let them but get like, through the squeaky voice period and then we'll move. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's also, it's also, uh, uh, child dependent on that or a young man dependent because um, some develop at different times. There's different uh, life situations and circumstances that happen, but I think uh, there needs to be a father figure in that young man's life that helps guide that. Because, I mean, it's your, your identity is given like by your father, like all of our identities is given by our heavenly father. And we like are called by God by name. Our name is given to us like by the Lord. And um, so if we're to understand who we are like that, that we need to understand that relationship. And so young men also like need that relationship. So like in addition to all the other like thousand things that went wrong, like with like no fault divorce and then the abandonment of children and all the other things that, that happened. I mean, that just like snowballs it. Like where so many kids are growing up without father figures. Like mine was, my dad was gone at um, around 11, and but my mom made sure that there was like men in my life to try to fill in with that role uh, to help guide me and lead me. Mm. Yeah. I think I just want to edify you. I feel edified by the way you guys present masculinity. It's very balanced, it's very calm, and also composed. And like, it's clear you guys have a competence to you. So I. Really grateful you guys are coming on our cast, but um, I'm just thinking of like our culture can identify this too. People know, you know, they speak of toxic masculinity. Obviously, when men aren't bothered in a certain way, and I, I'm thinking of two movies. I like to visualize these things. Have you guys seen Office Space? Yes, mm-hmm. it's a great movie, and it's like that's kind of the man hitting on. I'm not naturally supposed to be cooped up in this terrible place. Mm-hmm. And he takes it out, destroys the printer, and I've had many jokes. Who hasn't wanted to do that? <laughs> <laughs> then I'm thinking of the movie uh, Fight Club, too. I just watched that the mm. other day, and like that hits on something super, super deep and primal in a man. Is like we are meant to literally fight, and when that is when we're declawed as men, and they, you don't want to point straight to the feminist movement, but there are, it's a panoply of different things that are just taking the channeled proper masculinity and 
it's hard. And I'm thinking of this other movie, American Sniper, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. also a good one. One of my favorite scenes is he talks about there's the sheeps and the wolves and the sheepdog. And that, I think, is a role that's missing, especially mm-hmm. in the church. Is like we need, and it's hard because you, you need to get into the, it's, you delve into the politics of like, okay, you, when you're messing with the clergy, it gets, they get very touchy about that. But then, you know, you don't want to blaze ahead totally as a layman. But it, our role, specifically as we channel ourselves or we plunge into our, our roles as um, laymen, is like we are supposed to be the defenders of the faith mm-hmm. and those who are like the wardens, so to speak. And, I, I love the way that you guys are presenting this to you. Like, I wish we could have had that in high school. Like, get up mm-hmm. 6 a.m. We had certain different aspects of that in hockey or football or whatever sport you played. That community, that common <clears throat> project was there. Mm-hmm. So do you guys, realistically, can you anticipate something, an incorporation of this masculine rite of passage with sports and religion? Is that something? I mean, it seems like you're doing that already, Ben. Yeah. But, and I, I, like, instantly, I'm in fundraising, I'm in nonprofit. Like, dude, I would give my money to that organization. <laughs> I, I've actually had a few responses like that, which gives me great hope that this oh, yeah. this will come come to fruition at some point. Um, I actually had a, a mom from halfway across the country reach out to me on Facebook and go, I heard about what you're trying to do. How can I get my kid in it? And I was like, well... Um, <laughs> I don't have it yet, but I'll walk. let you know when I do. Just send um, them. But you know that that would be that would be an amazing opportunity to be able to to train other people to then go off and run these around the country it would be awesome. Yeah. But um, yeah, it, it's entirely incorporating the two together. That's that's what it's it's putting that physical challenge. It's mm-hmm. it's calling them it's calling them out, saying, "Can you do this?" Because it's gonna it's gonna suck. Um, in, in the military, we have a phrase, embrace the suck. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that, I think that's like the most Catholic phrase ever. <laughs> embrace the suck. You know, when, uh, you, were, you know, offer it up. That's, that's what it, that's basically what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Offer it up. It, when, when life is hard, you just, you lean into God, you lean into the hard and you just keep going. Um, but that, when I told these six young men who volunteered, uh, I said, listen, guys, so I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask for some volunteers and I want you to know up front, I'm going to make you want to quit. That's going to be my goal. I'm going to be working to make you quit. I'm going to push you to the point that you want to quit. So who wants to do this? And then on top of that, um, I made all of them give me a deposit out of their pocket. You know, these high school kids who are loaded. (laughs) <laughs> um, I made them all give me money and said, I will hang on to this. If you quit, I get to keep it. Oh, yeah. If you stick it out, you get it back when you're done. That's cool. And they all forgot about it. Huh. They were so focused on this. They were so motivated in this and driven by this that not a single one of them came to me and said, hey, do I get my deposit back? <laughs> wow. I had I had to remember myself and then go get it back to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, <laughs> you give me five um, bucks, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you know that just, but that just they they wanted this, they longed for this, and two of them that were seniors. So I had I had a couple of seniors, uh, a junior, some sophomores, and a freshman. Um, and the two seniors were like, "If you do this again next year, can we come back and help? We want to do this again." Do you feel like that incentive, though, where it's like, hey, I want you to quit. I want to make it quit. Almost made guys want to do it more. It, it made them work that much harder at it. Yeah. 
they were because it was it was I, like I said I was calling them out. It's a challenge. And I was saying, can you can you hold out against what I'm going to mm-hmm. put you through? And you know that's having been through basic and other things. That's that's what makes it something that that marks you is like I've done that. I've been yeah. there. And doesn't necessarily mean I'd want to do it again. Actually, it wouldn't be that bad. But um, <laughs> it's it's something that not everyone has done. Yeah. And that's what we want. We want a challenge that not everyone has done. Or yeah. can do, yeah. Um, and they stepped up and they, they did it. And now they have that. And they all got uh, a dog tag that said that they finished this. And they wear. some of them are still wearing it. I've, I've yeah. seen them. And they still wear this thing because it means that much to them. That, hey, mm-hmm. I finished, so I'm I'm wearing this it. this marker here that says so. Confidence with so. competence. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I love what we do as a podcast because every time I come out of it, wanting to start something new in my life, and it's like, yeah, we think we live a pretty cushy existence, and you can get complacent. And I, getting mm-hmm. back to your question, Sean, of like, how does this happen? I think it's just a cycle of human nature. I was remembering that uh, point in King David's life where after he conquered the Philistines and he was living cushy in Jerusalem, what does he do? He sees Bathsheba bathing on the roof. And it's like, Boom. when we lose our challenge and the, the constant drive as a man, it's like, well, you will fall into vice. Key line in that scripture is he was there when kings go out to war. Yeah. Dang. And he didn't go with his men. Yeah. He sent them yeah. out and he wasn't there with his troops as a good king does. Traditionally, at that wow. time, he would have been out there leading his army. But instead, he had it so good, and he had so many good generals that he, he thought, you know what? They don't need me there. I'm just going to hang out here. Mm-hmm. And who's, whose wife was it that he ended up getting one, one of his top guys. One of his top guys who man. Yeah. wasn't home because he'd sent him off to war. So Make sure he's on the front lines. Who right? Wouldn't, who wouldn't drink. Make sure he dies. Rest, yeah. Who wouldn't go back to his own home and even lay yeah. with his own wife to cover up the whole thing because he wanted to live in solidarity mm-hmm. with the troops out on the front. Yeah. So it's just... So while King David was sleeping in his bed and enjoying a lush life while his guys were all out on the front lines... Uriah comes home and is like, no, I'm going to sleep on the doorstep. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's like, a fa- I mean, everyone talks about like the sin of Eve or whatever. Like no one talks like, or like not as many people talk about the sin of Adam. Like he's standing right next to her, like mm-hmm. slap that, uh, fruit out of her hands. Like he's in the NBA. Just like, bam. <laughs> no. Swat dunk today. Mutumbo. Yeah. Yeah. Not in my house. Well, no, no, no. What's <laughs> really interesting about that is, I mean, if you look at Genesis, God tells Adam all this stuff prior to Eve being created right so adam got all this do not eat from the tree of good and evil yeah he got that directly from god it's likely that eve got it from adam so in truth eve was disobeying adam's secondhand information that he said came from god when she ate from the tree adam knew full well why they weren't supposed to eat from that tree and he just stood there and let it happen sin of omission and then to top it off, a friend of mine pointed this out to me just the other day. We were talking about this, and he said, "Not only that, but what if he was just seeing what would happen? He was told if you eat from this tree, you will die. What if he's letting her eat first because if she dies, he knows he's not going to try it." Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! It's like I never even thought of that. But holy me cow, neither. he just he just <laughs> used over. his he just used his wife this this partner and woman that was entrusted to him as like his poison check. 
despicable. I mean, I can't blame him. Like we're all fallible and broken. But as, I blame him. <laughs> <laughs> this makes me want to ask you guys uh, because obviously you you've been embarking on this mission and not without failure and error. But who do you find inspiration from? Where do you guys draw besides Christ as like the perfect man? There have to be some men in your life who have spoken fatherhood or spoken some sort of masculine uh, strength into you. So can you just list any inspirational figures? Sure. Um, <laughs> I would, Honestly, I, I had a uh, um, youth minister who was a, a very important role in my life when, like I said, I didn't have dad around. He came in. Uh, what I was kind of a kid at, uh, during high school, freshman uh, year, like wouldn't have anything to do with kind of church stuff. Like, it just wasn't my thing. I had no idea what a youth group was um, or anything. And he was brand new to the parish. And I was the senior patrol leader in my Boy Scout troop. And so he was just looking for leaders. Just, I'm going to tap, you know, eight to ten leaders to get this youth group started. And they're going to help. I'm going to train them up. And they're going to uh, take ownership of it. And that's how we're going to start our youth group. So uh, he asks me once. I say no. Uh, he asks me again. I say no. Uh, that Halloween, I stepped, I was at a Halloween party watching like movies in the dark and I stepped on a crystal bowl with candy and I got 14 stitches in the back of my heel because crystal, like when it cut, like it cut sharp, right? So it dug it into my heel, like almost down to the bone. Um, and I was on crutches. And so the third time that he asked me, like I couldn't like physically get away from him. Um, and so I was finally like, yeah, fine. I'll, I'll come to your, your Jesus meeting. And then like, um, and that's what it was. It was a come to Jesus meeting is it finally helped me realize like, you know, our hearts are restless to the rest in God. And, um, it was through that relationship that I was able to kind of like fully, see God like I had other masculine examples or whatever but like seeing it um from a faith-based perspective is like what he what he did for me um and he the way he was kind of some of the ways he was able to reach me uh was uh he used to be like uh semi-pro baseball so like he like he had that confidence that confidence and understood like the athlete mind and I was a football and rugby player um so that's like it spoke to me so he was able to reach me through that yeah, I would say growing up, it was um, definitely uh, one of my grandfathers, both my grandfathers, I guess, really, but um, primarily my, my dad. I was blessed to have uh, my father around and um, still do, but uh, was at another men's meeting at, at the parish, and they, they were telling guys, all right, I want you to think about uh, the, the best memory you have of spending time with your father when you were a kid. And then you guys are all going to, you know, at your little tables, you'll, you'll talk about those, those memories. And the first thing that came to my mind was when I was preteen, early teen, puberty years, my dad started waking me up at six o'clock in the morning and we'd go sit out at the dining room table and we would both spend time reading our Bibles and then we would go eat breakfast together and talk about it. And then he did off the work. Hmm. And that was how I started my day when I was going through that very key time in life when you're kind of coming into that, trying to figure out what is it to be a man and how do I do that? And that's the example that I had. Dang. So, um, you know, I was kind of doomed. This was definitely where I was going. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, gotcha. so it's, yeah, I mean, you have, th there is definitely something to that, that father figure or your father, um, taking that time to invest in you and set that example for you and live it. Mm -hmm. um, so, 
yeah, it's definitely my dad. I think now um, I was not raised Catholic, so now that I'm I'm Catholic, I would say that uh, one of the people that I look to is um, John Paul II. Yeah. Um, I took a class on his life and teaching and writing when I was working on my master's degree, and holy cow, is that guy smarter than me? But um, <laughs> just the the man that he was and the uh, the the effect that he had on the people around him just that people he would look at people he would look at a crowd and everyone in the crowd thought he was looking directly into their soul and you know he he had such a heart and a connection with god that um they would literally try to hide chapels from him because they wanted him to stay on schedule and there was once i forget which uh visit this was where he was but they had, they had literally shut the door of the chapel and pulled the sign off the door because they didn't want him to know it was there so that he wouldn't walk in. And they walked by, and he stopped and backed up and opened the door and then looked at his assistant or whoever it was there and kind of scolded them and walked in and spent the next two hours in chapel praying. And so was, he just sensed the presence, he just sensed the presence yeah. of Christ there, and he was like, I'm going to go in here now. Um, you know, they'd be looking for him. They couldn't find him and they'd find him lying prostrate on the floor in the, in the chapel at the Vatican. I mean, that's like, that became the place to go look for him to have that type of a prayer life. And, you know, it's easy to say, well, he was a, he was a Pope. That's his job, but (laughs) that's our job. Only saints go to heaven. True story. Um, I mean, that's our job. We're, we are supposed to be, living that same life, maybe not quite to the same spiritual extreme, just because we have other earthly responsibilities that religious don't have, but we have children to care for. We have jobs to to do, but not that priests don't have jobs. They have more than enough on their plate, but um, But we are still called, our vocation is still one that calls for prayer, lots of prayer and And sometimes some snorting. (laughs) <laughs> yes. As you're living this out, taking care of a baby, managing all the recording yeah. and yeah. stuff, like that, all those stuff. Okay, good job, Sean. Uh, the wizard. Sean if you haven't Sean heard a baby a this entire time, it's because Sean's a good dad. Yeah. If you haven't heard one, um, I'm a better dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's in our, and like our vocations are the school of grace for us. I mean, it's like our families, they serve as an obstacle to our own selfishness. Um, and we just, you have to exercise that leadership and that love and that caring. And, um, and that's where you're going to be sanctified. So I know, uh, um, and doing that, uh, from your prayer life. So making sure that you're, um, doing the simple things right first. Are you going to mass? Are you going to confession fairly regularly? Are you saying your regular prayer, your daily examine? Like, are you just doing the basics right and then you can start to actually see then the little moments of, of patience, of love, of tenderness, of all those other things that you, in your um, relationship with your spouse and your relationship with your children, um, become anointed, become more clear where you see them as moments of graces rather than moments of like struggle or anger or frustration or whatever. Something I like to, I like to tell when, I, when I'm talking to groups of men, I like to tell them, listen, if you're looking for an easy step, to take the first step mm-hmm. when you go to mass on Sunday be the first one on your knees um, my wife I discussed this with my wife long before we had kids and I said will you do this for me when we get when we get in the pew on Sundays wait because I'm the last one in the pew 
So when we get into the pew on Sundays, just sit and wait and let me put the kneeler down, get on my knees and start praying. And my son now, again, just over two years old, he knows that's what dad's going to do. And he looks at me until I do it. Um, and that's one of those things where you were talking about earlier, it's, it's submission. It's not my wife saying, you're better than me, so therefore you pray first. It's her saying, I'm going to allow you, even though I was here and I could have started praying at any time I wanted, I'm perfectly capable of doing that. I'm going to allow you to lead in that fashion. Um, and it it's definitely having an effect on my son, who's, again, a little over two. So if you can see it then, just imagine what it's going to be like when he's a teenager and he knows dad's the one, dad's the one who's going to be praying first. I've seen one kid, amazing family. Dad does a great job, um, but they go to mass. And this kid is 10, 11. And he always, when he comes out to go up to communion, he always walks out and he stops and waits for everyone else to go and then tries to go last. So and it's cute. really funny whenever his dad is there with them, because they'll come to daily mass and dad will be at work. But when they come and they're all together as a family, he'll try to have his dad go first and dad will go, nope, you go ahead, bud. <laughs> and then he goes and then dad follows him up. But he sees that example. Dad puts the rest, you know, sends the rest of the family, lets them go first. Yep. And um, so he he's following that to the point that he's trying to kind of vie for position with his dad almost and that I'm going to let dad go first and then I'm the man. Yeah. So um, that's, that's a wrestling so kind it of is. thing, you know. Yeah. No, definitely. Well guys, this is I we could be doing this for several more hours, you know, dim the lights, maybe grab a, a whiskey or something. <laughs> <laughs> we all have responsibility and if there's one practical you could leave with our listener base, that would be fantastic to wrap this up. Practical prayer thing, practical lifting, health fitness thing. Which what are we looking for? Take your pick. Yeah. It's your Do choice. Okay, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna say this. This is what we plan to close out our podcast with. So this is what I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you all with is live intentionally. Um, if we live by accident, if we just go with the flow of life, you're not gonna accomplish these things. If you want to accomplish living healthy spiritually or physically, you have to be intentional. You have to be disciplined. Mm -hmm. So live intentionally. Awesome. Okay. Uh, living intentionally, definitely. Do take care of the little things. The big things will take care of themselves. Hmm. So if you just do whatever those little, the right thing in the moment, the little thing, everything else will fall into place. Amen. So. Thanks, gents. Yeah, thank you, guys. Amazing well, conversation. Thank you for having us. Wrap oh, up yeah. uh, Career and Push-Ups podcast, yes. December 6th. Check us out on the place where you get podcasts on the internet. Awesome. You guys have a Twitter or a Facebook or anything? Uh, we, we, we will be Facebook, opening a Twitter. Yes. And we we'll have be a on Facebook. Twitter. We'll um, do and it. we'll be opening YouTube as well here. That's all in the works here before the end awesome. of the month. But yeah, so we have our, our Facebook is Prayer and Push-Ups. Uh, just Facebook. on Facebook. Search it. Facebook You'll find slash it. Prayer and Push-Ups. Um, it's the one with a really cool logo. And, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's flexing arm. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, we'll be on Twitter. Again, prayer and push-ups will be on. Uh, I think we'll probably do Instagram. I'm, I'm, I'm old. I'm still figuring out how that works. But <laughs> We're still there. figuring that out, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah. Wrap so up with your names again. Uh, Neil. This is Neil the Giant Ginger, Ginger Maxwell, and I am Ben Talugan. Awesome. Awesome. I'm Sean. Jacob and John, thanks for listening to the Sons of Thunder. Thunder, thunder, thunder.
Sons of Thunder is a podcast for young men by young men about living a life centered around faith, fellowship, and fitness.